All right. So, oh, Lottie, Lottie, Lottie. Hello, Haley. You come, I say Lordy, and you come to me and lick my hand. You think your name's Lordy now? Um, so, you know, it's playing with my dog, scratching her. You know, part of your dog where their tail, like, connects to their body, I'll say. Why do dogs love getting that spot scratched? So, anyways, you see my left arm shaking. That's why. Um, you're getting an extreme close-up tonight on YouTube. Uh, do the like, share, subscribe. Please watch my uh, other video about uh, media bias rears its ugly head. And uh, enjoy the panic attack. Like, share, and subscribe if I didn't already say that. And so on and so forth. So tonight was night number two of Wrestlemania 36. Um, it started out with a really long video package. Um, just um, WWE Network is free right now. If you go to wwenetwork.com, you can watch all this. Um, I would recommend it. I mean, if you're stuck inside, there was some great wrestling on this card. Um, the Gronk, Rob Gronkowski still sucked as a host. Um, and so this was all pre-recorded stuff. So somewhere along the lines, WWE must have figured out that he was hold on get my cigar going again hang on podcast people you can hear some dead air and some soft music cause I have to get my stogie going. So they sent Rob Gronkowski on a mission to become the 24-7 champion. And he won the 24-7 championship belt. Uh, no big, who cares. Um, Titus O'Neil, who's a, a really good guy, uh, took over as host. Which Hosts of WrestleMania don't do much, but... Uh, the first match out of the gate was Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley for the NXT Championship. Um, they did a long vignette or video package of how this match uh, came about and the build-up to it. Of course, you know, it started with Charlotte winning the Women's Royal Rumble, then declaring that she wanted to fight Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania. And uh, they showed all the talk about Rhea Ripley when she first came to WWE. Um, she first participated in the Mae Young Classic. And they referred to her as a, a, the next Charlotte Flair or Mini Charlotte. Uh, because uh, she resembled Charlotte in some ways. Um, so 
the things I noticed most about this match, I gave it 87.5 stars on the Dave Meltzer star scale. Uh, Rhea Ripley came out to with new ring gear. She looked more like a professional wrestler than someone that was headed to a punk rock concert. I liked that. Uh, I didn't like her old ring gear. It just didn't look like something you would wrestle in. Um, note, these are two women uh, in the six-foot-tall range. Very, you know, strapping, beautiful women. Uh, but Rhea has good traps. That's these, you're like the top of your shoulder, these muscles. And she also has a good V taper to her back. So you can tell she works out. Her lats are, have that V shape. Big, uh, your lats are your muscles back here, your back muscles, most people would call it. But she has a good V shape <coughs> to her. So she's into working out, in other words. Um, the match went back and forth. Rhea Ripley had some good holds. She had uh, Charlotte in a body scissors, which is an old school wrestling hold. Which was kind of nice to see a wrestling hold in a wrestling match. Um, then Charlotte gets out of it. And this is where the match starts to make its turn. Uh, Charlotte is on a, the ring apron. Rhea goes to kick her uh, with her foot over the top rope aimed at Charlotte's head. Charlotte moves. Now Rhea's kind of stuck in an awkward spot with her leg draped over the top rope. Charlotte grabs her leg, wraps Rhea's knee across the top rope and jumps to the floor, thus injuring Rhea's knee. Um, and then from that point on, Charlotte worked Rhea's left leg through the match and Rhea sold it really well. Uh, and this is something that I've critique Charlotte Flair's matches on is she doesn't build up to the figure four or figure eight as she calls it. Um, see, when Ric Flair did it, he, he would do the same thing like Charlotte did. He would find a point in the match where he could kick his opponent in the knee or he could do something to take out a leg. And then he would work that leg the rest of the match. And, you know, Rhea got some offense in. She made some comebacks. It was a seesaw battle. But Charlotte worked that knee through the remainder of the match. Uh, it was a great wrestling match. Uh, get on WWE Network and watch this. It was a mat classic. Okay, it was good offense, good wrestling both wrestlers had their moments of, you know, where they got their offense in and then they would cut the opponent off and change the momentum. Uh, there was not a lot of the false pins where, you know, sometimes there's 10, 15 uh, a pin a attempts during a match. They didn't do a lot of that. They just sold. They... They wrestled, they punched, they kicked, 
Charlotte worked the knee. Rhea worked every part of Charlotte's body. Um, and so it was just a really good wrestling match. It ended with Charlotte putting the figure four on. Rhea is, you know, punching and slapping Charlotte in the legs, trying to get free. Charlotte, you know, starts... They're kind of far apart during the figure four leg lock, but, you know, Charlotte was doing her best to, you know, smack Rhea. Um, and eventually Charlotte did that bridge into the figure eight. And once she gets in that bridge, I was thinking that's, you know, you can reverse a figure four leg lock, but once she gets that bridge where she's got her back arched way up, that gives her so much leverage. It's very hard to turn her at that point and reverse the figure four. And that, at that point, you know, Rhea started tapping out like a maniac. I mean, you, you would have thought she was dying from the figure eight. And so Charlotte wins by submission uh, for your new winner and new women's NXT champion, Charlotte Flair. So that's going to be interesting to see Charlotte wrestling on the NXT brand. Um, I like NXT. I like its women's division. But it, it did kind of lack a little star power and all, all elite wrestling has been beating NXT in the ratings so maybe you know by sending Charlotte Flair to NXT for a couple months they're gonna you know maybe catch AEW in the ratings probably not but uh, we'll see how that plays out I expect to see Charlotte drop Charlotte drop the belt to either Rhea or Bianca Belair at some point. Uh, but to get that NXT women's division going, which I think is the best women's division in wrestling right now, is NXT. So we'll see how it goes. The next match was Aleister Black versus Bobby Lashley. This is kind of just like a throw-together match. Um, <clears throat> um, let's see here. What did I write? Oh, it, it was yeah, it was just a, a good match. You know, I gave it three stars. So it was just your basic wrestling match. wasn't very long. Um, I, in my notes, I put ha ha. Bobby Lee had Bobby Lashley. I mean had Aleister Black in like a backbreaker, like uh, the torture, or not the torture rack. He had um, Aleister draped over his shoulder. So Aleister's head was facing this way and his legs were facing that way. It's a version of the backbreaker. And then Lana, Bobby Lashley's fake wife, got up on the ring apron and start screaming at Bobby, no, no, give him the spear, give him the spear. Well, gosh, the, you know, you're in an empty arena, 
Uh, pretty sure Alistair Black can hear you. So Bobby says, oh, yeah, you're right, honey. The spear. <laughs> and so he gets down in a three-point football stance in the corner and waits for Alistair Black to turn back around. And he goes in for the spear, and Alistair Black hits a spin kick called the Black Mass and beats Bobby Lashley one, two, three. <laughs> that was so corny, but... Nonetheless, next we had uh, the grudge match. Otis versus Dolph Ziggler with Sonya Deville in Dolph's corner. Nobody in Otis's corner. His uh, tag team partner, um, not Otis. I don't know what his name is. Forgot. Anyways, the guy that's not Otis in heavy machinery wasn't there because uh, Dolph Ziggler hurt him on Friday Night Smackdown. So he couldn't be in attendance. Um, so, let's see here. Yeah, I love... The, this is like a love rectangle. Otis, Dolph Ziggler, Sonya Deville, who I think wants to lesbian, lesbian it up with uh, Mandy... And then you have Mandy Rose, of course, involved in this. Um, they played the angle out on Twitter. After Friday Night Smackdown, when a... I don't know if it was the evil emperor from Star Wars, or if it was Batman, or whoever it was, but somebody had control of video monitors... And was recording um, Sonia and Dolph plotting the infamous phone call or text messages that told Otis that Mandy was running late for their date on Valentine's Day. And they replayed this video package on WrestleMania so you could catch up. And what we knew all along, Sonya sent the texts from Mandy's phone to Otis. So Otis would show up late, and then Dolph Ziggler comes into the frame and says, Well, Mandy, did, did you do it? Did you get it done? And she's like, Yeah, yeah, we did it. You know, Otis thinks Mandy's going to be late, so you can swoop in. And uh, so then uh, we go, they start the match. Sonya comes out with Dolph looking hot and acting coy. Uh, JBL was the John Bradshaw Layfield. He was playing the heel announcer kind of role. And he constantly referred to Otis as a zoo animal because Otis is, you know, 330 pounds and about five foot six. Um, you know, basically fat shaming Otis. Um, but the, the best line of the night, uh, 
from JBL was Otis looks like Ivan Putsky ate Bam Bam Bigelow. So then um, Sonya, at the point where uh, Otis is starting to make a comeback, Sonya Deville gets up on the ring apron and distracts the referee, and Dolph Ziggler kicks Otis from behind, but in between the legs. Uh, and then, as um, Dolph is getting ready to finish Otis off, Mandy Rose's music hits, and she comes running down to the ring. Sonya tries to uh, stop her and say, wait, 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 this is all a mistake. It's a misunderstanding. And Mandy slaps Sonya silly. And Mandy is in her wrestling gear. So I thought they were going to turn this into um, a mixed tag match and restart the match. But what ends up happening is then the referee and Otis are distracted seeing you know what's going on with Sonya Deville on the outside and if Otis is okay. Meanwhile, Mandy sneaks up behind Dolph and punches him between the legs, which sets up Otis for the pin. So in the end, Otis gets his girl. Uh, Mandy jumps into his arms and he carries her like a guy carrying a bride across the threshold. Um, Mandy and Dol or Mandy and Otis kiss, uh, you know, make out a little bit. It was really cute. You know, I, I thought it was good. Um, I don't know how many, like, I gave it five stars. It was an entertaining match. Both guys had their offense. I like this, um, <laughs> I like this no crowd in the room thing. Because you can hear the wrestlers talking trash to each other. And you can hear the impact of the punches and the kicks and things. And it makes it almost more realistic. You can hear the guys screaming in pain which normally you can't hear and that's all part of the cell and the helps you suspend disbelief that you know you know it's not real you know it's predetermined but it makes it more believable you know just like in a movie you know when the bad guy has your hero down and your hero's in pain and he's writhing and he's oh he's crying almost and then he he makes his comeback the good guy always has to win right at least in the movies so that was a good good match otis versus dolph ziggler i went to kent state at the same time as dolph ziggler and um met him several times he's I don't know what got into him once he got into wrestling, WWF. But he was a nice guy in college. Uh, he wants to be the mayor of Kent, Ohio one day. So, next we had the grudge match of grudge matches. The last man standing. Edge, the wily veteran, coming back from career-ending neck surgery. To face the Viper, his former tag team partner, Randy Orton. 
who tried to end his career, Randy says, for Edge's own good. For his own good. And so, this was another one that was, it was good that there was no audience. Because if they would have been in the stadium, they would have, even though in WrestleMania, your vision is blocked for a lot of the matches, unless you pay $1,000 for really good seats. But they could utilize the entire building. So you got kind of a little tour of the WWE Performance Center. And Edge was back to being old Edge. Um, You know, he was in some of the original ladder matches in the WWF. And, you know, him and Christian and the Hardy Boys just tore the houses down because these ladder matches were a new thing in the 2000s. And they were, you know, jumping from ladder to ladder. There's a famous uh, clip where they're on a 20-foot ladder and, like, Jeff Hardy is hanging on to um, whatever is holding the championship belts above the ring. And Edge dives off a ladder and spears him and they go crashing 20 feet to the mat. And Edge was doing a lot of that. They got into the uh, workout room at the Performance Center, and Edge was, uh, you know, swinging from the pull-up bars and, you know, drop-kicking Randy Orton, you know. At one point, they were in, like, a conference room, and for some reason, there's like, a chain-link fence thing above the ceiling of the conference table, and Edge got up on that chain-link fence and did an elbow drop onto Randy while Randy was laying on a conference table. And the table didn't break this time. Uh, They end up on top of a semi that's parked in the uh, Performance Center garage. And, you know, Randy gets these chairs and he's going to finish Edge and bash his head in with the chairs like he did a few weeks ago on television. And instead, Edge gets Randy in the sleeper hold and puts Randy out, knocks Randy out, puts him to sleep, however you want to say it. And then Edge gets the chairs and Randy happened to just happen to land with his head already on one of the chairs that he himself brought to the top of the semi-truck. And then... Edge and Christian used to do this thing called a concerto where they would each have a chair and their opponent would be in the middle and they would smash the two chairs around the opponent's head. Um, So Edge did a concerto where Randy's head was laying on a chair and Edge smashed him with another chair. Uh, That ended the match. Uh, The referee counted 10. Edge couldn't, or Randy Orton couldn't get back up. Edge wins by 10 count. Uh, next, we had the World Tag, the Raw World Tag Team Championship match. Uh, a throw together team of Austin Theory with Angel Garza and then versus the Street Profits. And Zelina Vega, of course, is the mastermind of. Angel Garza and Austin Theory. She's building up a really good stable with uh, 
these Mexican wrestlers. She came out, um, of course, in case you don't know, a lot of wrestlers wear ring attire that has a special meaning for WrestleMania or the bigger pay-per-views. Uh, I don't know what... She, she came out looking kind of like a, an Aztec goddess. Kind of, I mean, she looks like a goddess, period. But uh, she had like a, a headdress on. It was, it was, you can't see my hand out of the screen. But it was like a headdress, uh, like a sun rising kind of thing. And she had uh, skulls, shoulder, shoulder pads that were like in the shape of skulls. And so it was a very good match, back and forth, you know, uh, good tag team chemistry for both teams, which was surprising because, of course, the Street Profits, you expected that from, but Garza and Theory also had their chemistry down with Zelina shouting orders from ringside. Um, the Street Profits won uh, when uh, I think it was Austin Theory had Dawkins pinned and Montez Ford did the best, best frog splash in wrestling off the top rope. He got probably 10 feet above the top rope on, on this frog splash. And uh, that broke up the pinfall. And then Dawkins was able to roll over and get the one, two, three. Uh, then you, <coughs> excuse me, had Zelina and her boys beating up The Street Profits after the match. And out of nowhere comes Bianca Belair to spear Zelina Vega. Beats up, <coughs> beats up on, pardon me. <coughs> beats up on Zelina. And then uh, the Street Profits carry Bianca around the ring on their shoulders. I think there's a little chemistry. I don't know if they're a real life couple, but. Uh, there was something going on there between uh, Bianca Belair and Montavious Ford of the Street Profits. Some uh, some goo-goo eyes, and she was petting him on the head and stuff after that. I gave it three stars. It was a good match. It wasn't anything special. Kind of a quick match. Less, I think it was less than ten minutes. Um, then you have the big SmackDown women's title match. Uh, this one was supposed to be a six-pack challenge, but um, Dana Brooke had to self-quarantine because of the pandemic. Uh, she must have been exposed to somebody who had uh, the, the flu. So it turned into a five-way match, and it was elimination. So... Once you were pinned or submitted, you had to leave the ring. Started out, okay, so we had Sasha Banks versus Lacey Evans versus Naomi versus Tamina Snuka versus Bailey. 
uh, it started, they all were targeting Tamina, and she was throwing everyone around the ring. Uh, she needs better ring gear, though. Something that's a little more flattering. Uh, I'm not one that should be talking about people losing weight. But Tamina at one time was uh, a plus-size model. If she lost 20 pounds, she would be a model again. And she needs to get some better ring gear. I mean, just the, the ring attire she's wearing is just... You know how... I'm a fat guy, and our clothing styles used to be really piss poor, like our choices, until uh, casual male DXL came along, and they started, you know, really, you could really go and buy big men's clothes that uh, looked stylish instead of shit-y. Well, they've given Tamina some shitty ring attire. She should, I think she should come out something like leopard pat leopard pattern like her dad superfly jimmy snooker used to wear you know i mean they could give her you know a, some something better than this just this black on black with a some kind of vest thing i don't know but they could dress her up and make her look better um so she was beating up everybody uh, eventually, the other four women uh, got her down on the mat. Bailey did the elbow drop from the top rope. Uh, Sasha Banks did the Eddie Guerrero frog splash because Eddie was her hero. Uh, Lacey Evans did um, a moonsault from the middle rope. And then Naomi did a split-legged moonsault from the top rope where she... Naomi, you know, jumps on the top rope, does a split, and then flips backwards. Really, Naomi's the, the greatest athlete in the women's division. Um, but then all four women piled on top of Tamina, and she was the first one eliminated. Um, then they eliminated Naomi. Um, then it was Bailey and Sasha, best friends, and Lacey Evans. So... Sasha and Bailey were in the ring tormenting uh, Lacey. You know, come on, Mom, because Lacey talks about how she does this for her daughter to set an example and stuff. Come on, do it for your daughter. Come on, Mom. Um, another thing I noted, um, hair and makeup um, was not done by the W... There were, because they're limited on how many people they put in a building. Everyone had to do their own makeup. And I know Sasha had blue hair. Not her natural hair color. She is not a smurf. And... Right in the stogie. Hold on. You're not supposed to swing cigars around while you're talking. Or they go out. Um, right in the middle of Sasha's hair. I noticed her black roots showing through. Um, the blue. And it was like real obvious. That was alright. She's still a gorgeous woman. And kind of nerdy when you see her on like... Uh, WWE ride along and she's married to the guy that 
um, so, does the sewing of the ring gear for the wrestlers. So, she's cool. She's cool. But, uh, so yeah, Sasha, Bailey, and Lacey Evans left. So, Sasha and Bailey were supposed to be teaming up against Lacey. Then, at one point, they have Lacey in the corner. Uh, Bailey runs in for a kick. Sasha, or Lacey falls out of the way. Sasha, ah. Bailey kicks Sasha by accident. Sasha gets back in the ring looking at Bailey all ticked off. And Bailey, or Lacey goes to punch Bailey, misses, and knocks out Sasha. Well, then Bailey sat in the corner while Lacey Evans pinned Sasha. So now you have Bailey and Lacey Evans left. And I thought this is going to be Lacey's big coming out WrestleMania moment. Now, if you follow social media, these delectable little scamps, scamp, S-C-A-M-P, not skank, scamp, these little snots, Bailey and Sasha were, they put out a fake thing after the recordings were done, because this was all pre-recorded, um, and there was a picture posted and then taken down off of Twitter um, on Sasha or on Sasha Banks's Twitter and Instagram of Sasha posing with the women's belt. <clears throat> so these women did a great job of teasing you, making you think that Sasha was going to turn against Bailey and become the women's champion. So it came down to Lacey and Bailey. Uh, Lacey is about to get the win. Sasha comes in and hits Lacey with a backcracker, or sometimes called a backstabber, where Lace or Sasha grabs the opponent around the chin, puts her knees in the middle of the opponent's back, and then falls backwards and drives her knees into her opponent's lower back. And that uh, put Lacey Evans out where Bailey could get the pin. And then the BFFs, Sasha and Bailey, celebrate Bailey's victory. It'd be interesting to see what happens next in that feud. Who now is the number one? Contender for the SmackDown Women's title. I don't know. So. Next we had. Quite possibly. The most confusing. Most entertaining. Segment. In. WrestleMania history. There was no match. There was no match to be told, but there was a story to be told, and who knows the secrets that are told that never do unfold. The Fiend knows.
I was you you're gonna have to YouTube this or Google or get on WWE Network. It, WWE Network is free right now, so just get on there and watch this. It's beyond words. The video package that Bray Wyatt cooked up for this match. It's I guess the fiend is somehow in John Cena's head. And he's controlling John Cena's dreams, maybe? I don't know. But this was awesome. And it's beyond words. I I give it a million stars. The first one million star segment in wrestling history. It wasn't a wrestling match by any stretch of the imagination. But it was just awesome. And Bray Wyatt totally, the fiend, Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt, just totally laid into everybody. They had the Vince McMahon doll with uh, devil horns coming out of its head, Uh, you know, and they were mocking Vince McMahon. Um... They showed John Cena in all phases and facets of his career. Talked about now Bray Wyatt or The Fiend at one time said, now I see why you almost got fired, which it's true. When John Cena was just John Cena, the really good wrestler, he was close to getting fired. Um, And then along came the rapper gimmick and they, and the, Bray Wyatt even took a shot at uh, John and Nikki Bella's relationship and uh, how John Cena kisses Vince McMahon's ass and vice versa, how John will do anything to be the top wrestler. Um, and it's just insane, and it jumps from scene to scene. They even do a flashback into Monday Night Nitro. And they had Eric Bischoff. They cut between clips of Eric Bischoff <coughs> and Bray Wyatt dressed up like Eric Bischoff, mocking Eric Bischoff. And then they show John Cena coming out to the New World Order music with the big old. WCW championship belt and the initials NWO painted on it and John Cena is wearing an NWO t-shirt and strumming the belt the way Hulk Hogan used to come out to the ring strumming the belt like it was a guitar and this was just all over the place and Bray Wyatt was saying I'm in your nightmares now John I'm in your head and you know Bray went between the Fiend character and Bray from the Firefly Funhouse. The characters from the Firefly Funhouse were spotted throughout this. It's just, it boggles my mind. I can't understand or comprehend what I saw, but it was great. Great entertainment. And that's what WrestleMania used to be, was good wrestling matches and then some gimmick things and some entertainment mixed in so 
last but by far not least, we had the world universe, no, wait a minute, I'm getting confused. We had the world heavyweight title match between Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar, the conqueror, the beast incarnate, Brock Lesnar. And this was a short match. Brock did his F5s and his uh, German suplexes on Drew McIntyre. Drew got a little offense in here and there, and then Brock would cut him off and uh, throw him around the ring a little bit more. And you thought, oh, shit, here we go again. Brock's just going to beat another guy down, and we're going to have another six months of Brock showing up on TV, not wrestling. Uh, Paul Heyman cutting outstanding promos, and then Brock goes away till the next pay-per-view. But no, after three Claymore kicks... Drew McIntyre pins Brock Lesnar. If you blinked, you missed the match. It was that short. But Drew McIntyre is your much-deserving new world heavyweight champion. And I don't know where where the feud goes from here. Um, will there be a rematch? I don't know. Um, don't care to see a rematch, honestly. Uh, I want to see where they take the Drew McIntyre character from here. He's somebody that the fans are behind. Um, of course, there won't be any fans in the building come this Monday night. <laughs> but uh, the internet reaction, I guess, is what we're going to have to look and see. How they react to Drew McIntyre. Uh, you, you know, Brock... Brock Lesnar, you know, a few years ago, almost died of diver reticulitis, and it's something he'd had his entire life and just never knew. So when Brock was knocking out people in ultimate fighting, he could have been killed if he would have been hit in the right spot in his abdomen. And when he was wrestling and winning NCAA championships, he had diver reticulitis um, and didn't know about it. Um, and so Brock's whole career in wrestling, he's won many, many accolades in the Amateur wrestling world. Everything but an Olympic medal. He's won ultimate fighting championships when he was sick with diver reticulitis. And he's, uh, you know, a phenomenal athlete, a giant of a man, a man's man. He prefers to spend time alone on his farm. And it's just a big, strong farm boy. Um, in fact, he's so 
he likes to isolate so much. Uh, Paul Heyman, who helped save Brock's career uh, because they wanted to give Brock a, a no-selling Russian monster gimmick at first, like Ivan Drago. And Ivan Drago from the Rocky Four. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Until Rocky gives his stupid speech at the end. Uh, but anyways, they wanted to make uh, Brock Lesnar like Ivan Drago and have him speak with a Russian accent and get in the ring and not sell any moves for people and stuff. Which he basically, he knows sold for people a lot early in his career anyways. But uh, Brock is, is interesting. Because, you know, in his first run, he's only in his 40s now, but his first run with WWE, he, he put on some longer matches. And his matches have gotten significantly shorter in the last few years that he's been back in WWE. Um, he sweats profusely at the least amount of movement. So he's holding a lot of water, but he's still a big, big strapping man. Um, so uh, I don't know if that's, you know, the steroids doing that to him or what, but he can't wrestle for very long. And I, that's kind of sad because I could see him having some classic matches um, with somebody, you know, the likes of Drew McIntyre. This should have been, you know, a 20-minute world title match. And it was done in under 10 minutes with a few, you know, big spots, a few big power moves by both guys. And then it was over with uh, three kicks to the face from Drew McIntyre. So Drew McIntyre is your new world champion. Overall, I thought it was a great two nights of wrestling. Um, I was very happy, very pleased. I was nervous going into it because a lot of rest, a few wrestlers um, were pulled from the card because of the virus that's going around. Um, and... <clears throat> You know, weaken, you know, Roman Reigns weakened the immune system. Dana Brooke going into self-quarantine. Uh, the Miz showing up to hit the taping of his match with a high fever. And so the WWE did a great job of rearranging things around this virus. Um, this um, Firefly... Firefly Funhouse match, say that five times fast, could not have happened in a big arena because it just wouldn't have had the same effect because this was all a scripted out pre-recorded video package, video montage of multiple skits involving The Fiend or Bray Wyatt and John Cena. And then, so you couldn't have done that in an arena. So how would this match have gone down? It could have been a great wrestling match between two great wrestlers. Don't get me wrong. If uh, they would have been able to do the original WrestleMania plans. Um, if they would have made it a Firefly Funhouse match at 
in a, a 70,000 person arena, what, you would have had some dolls around the ring talking and nobody in the arena would have got it. Uh, so, and certainly the video segment that we got would just blew people away. I saw one or two people on the internet that are, you know, think they're super wrestling critics. Um, you know, shit on this, but I'm like, I was speechless when it was over, but I was entertained as hell while it was happening. So you got to see that to to believe it. So overall, I you know thank the WWE for putting on a great show over two nights for people to take people's minds off of this pandemic that's going on and let us get away from things for a while. Um, so that being said, almost an hour of me talking wrestling. Uh, I think it's time to call it a night. I have to get up for work at 3 a.m. and it's almost midnight. So good night. God bless you and have a great, great day.